Father, again, we are thankful for tonight uh, that you are a God who delights in meeting with your people. You're a God who delights in teaching your people. And so, Lord, we ask that you would teach us tonight, that your Holy Spirit would come and that he would have free reign to, uh, to teach us about himself, um, that we just sit down and listen to you and uh, that you would bring truth into our mind. Uh, help us to apply it. Help us to learn from it, uh, to gain wisdom. Uh, from this uh, lesson tonight. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 19, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Uh, That's why we're studying the Holy Spirit. Uh, because many of us, we know that he exists, but we don't really know that much about him and and what he's here for, what he wants to do and desires to do in us. And so uh, maybe you feel like, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And this may be that first we talked last week about we learn in layers and that we just keep uh, building on the knowledge that we have gained and applying it and gaining wisdom and experience from it. And maybe this is the first layer for you in the Holy Spirit. That's fantastic. Maybe it's the 12th layer. That's fantastic because God's just going to continue to add to that and build your life. In the New Testament alone, there are some 261 passages. That's sections of Scripture which refer to the Holy Spirit. He is mentioned 56 times in the Gospels. Most of those will be by Jesus himself. Uh, 57 in the book of Acts, 112 times by Paul, and 36 times in the rest of the New Testament. Um, That's a lot, so he's important, and we need to know, and we need to understand him. Uh, We said last time that so often that the Holy Spirit is referred to as an it. Uh, It does this, and it does that, and it is not an it, he is a he. Uh, We need to refer to him as he. Uh, We talked last time about some of the names and the symbols uh, that represent him. Uh, Tonight we're going to talk about his person, that he has a personality. And uh, along with that personality, he has a deity, that he is God. He's the the third person of the the Trinity. And we God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So we're going to look at how do we know that we can refer to him as God, that, that he's the same as God, that he's the same essence as God the Father. Um, And so we're going to be looking at that uh, tonight as well. So some of the things that tell us that he is a person. One, he has, number one, intelligence. Okay, he has intelligence. 1 Corinthians 2.10, but God has revealed it, God's secret wisdom uh, from verse 7, to us by his spirit. God has revealed it to us by his spirit. The disciples were told Remember last time that the Holy Spirit would lead them into all truth. Therefore, the Holy Spirit possesses truth. He has truth. He knows truth. We can read in Scripture that God is truth. Therefore, the Holy Spirit is truth. So who better to lead us uh, than the Holy Spirit himself, to lead us into all truth? And you can't lead someone where you have not been. Okay? If you've not been there, you're going to have a very difficult time leading someone there. And so the Holy Spirit is able to, re, to, to lead us into all truth, that God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. So it's the Holy Spirit that is revealing. 
So he has this intelligence, he has this knowledge, this wisdom that he is giving to us, that he is revealing to us. Number two, he has a will. All these are the works of one and the same spirit. We're talking about spiritual gifts here. He says all of these, all these gifts are the works of one and the same spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. So the Holy Spirit has a will. He has a plan, and he is carrying that out. Um, We have two different kinds of will. He has a prohibitive will uh, where he is, uh, Acts 16, Paul was saying we have been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. So he sometimes keeps us from going somewhere. He prohibits us uh, that he doesn't allow us to go. So he is guiding and directing, keeping us from doing things. But also uh, he has a permissive will and that he allows things to happen. Uh, Acts chapter 16, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Um, And here it was the the Holy Spirit that was speaking to Paul uh, at that point to lead them to Macedonia. He had received a vision, and uh, he was being led. So uh, a lot of times we say we want to know what God's will is, and we say we want to know what we're supposed to do. Sometimes God's will is what we're not supposed to do. And so we need to know both of those, the prohibitive will and the permissive will. And the Holy Spirit will guide us in that. He will keep us from some things. Now, some of the things that he keeps us from are seemingly good things. Paul says, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. They were kept from preaching God's word. The Holy Spirit led them not to preach. Now, seems to me that you'd want to preach it everywhere. But for whatever reason, at that time, according to his will, by his intelligence, what he knew it was best not to. And so he kept them from doing what they thought was a good thing in order to do a better thing. Um, And so we have to understand that, too, that the Holy Spirit sometimes leads us away from good things for better things. Uh, And that we can't just assume that good is always best. Uh, And we rely on the Holy Spirit to to lead us in that. Number three, Holy Spirit is a person because he speaks. He spoke to Philip in Acts chapter 29. He directed Philip to the chariot of the Ethiopian. Remember, Philip was uh, really in a revival. There was a revival breaking out where Philip and some of the other disciples were. And the Holy Spirit came to Philip uh, and said, "I, I need you to go towards Ethiopia. I need you to go down this road. And so he started heading down this road, came upon a chariot, uh, and an Ethiopian was reading scripture. He was reading the Old Testament. And Philip, again, was led by the Holy Spirit to go up, and he just asked, do you you understand what you're reading? And the guy said, how can I understand if someone doesn't explain it to me? And Philip got in the chariot with him and said, let's see what you're reading. And they read it together. Philip explained it to him. He accepted the Lord at that point. And as they went a little farther, there was a body of water, whether it was a pond or whatever there. And the Ethiopian said, what would keep me from being baptized? Philip said, absolutely nothing. Went down, baptized him, and then Philip disappeared. Gone. We don't know if he was lightning fast and sprinted out of sight, but whatever it was, he wasn't there. He he was gone. He moved on to wherever the Lord was leading him uh, at that point. But it was the Holy Spirit that led him. The Holy Spirit spoke to him. Um, That may come in an audible voice. You may actually hear a voice. 
It may come in a still small voice, an inward voice, uh, a nudging. Uh, It may speak through the word. Uh, There's lots of ways. He may speak through another person, use another person to speak to us. But the Holy Spirit directs and speaks to us. He spoke to Peter in Acts chapter 10, directed Peter to go with the three men to see Cornelius. Uh, This was odd for Peter because Cornelius was a Gentile. He was not a Jew. And uh, the the Holy Spirit was leading Peter to go and share the gospel with Cornelius, um, with this non-Jew. And... uh, Peter followed. To the Antioch elders in Acts chapter 13 directed them to set apart Paul and Barnabas. Uh, This was uh, early in Paul's ministry. Actually, this was the start of Paul's ministry. He had become a believer on the Damascus Road, uh, the blinding light, and Jesus speaking to him. And then he went off for how many years? A long time. He went off like into the desert. The Lord trained him Three and a half years. I was going to say three years, but that didn't sound quite right. Three and a half years or so, somewhere in that neighborhood, that Paul was not on the scene. Um, He was in the desert, and the Holy Spirit or God or Jesus somehow in all of that was training him. He came back, met with the disciples. The disciples were a little leery of him because what did they know of Paul? He was a Christian killer. That's what he did. He killed, he was Saul, and he killed Christians. That's what he did for a living. Um, And he was quite good at it. And so they were a little leery to, uh, to take him in. Uh, but eventually, over time, he had won them over, the Lord leading. And it was at this point now that the Holy Spirit led the church in Antioch to set apart Paul and Barnabas for missionary service and to send them out to the Gentiles. But again, it was the Holy Spirit that led them to do that. The seven churches at Revelation says, Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And each of the church, each of those Uh, letters to the seven churches ends that way let the spirit let him hear what the spirit says to the churches so when we pray we ask God to tell us to show us to reveal to us and when we are listening to the voice of God it is the voice of the Holy Spirit that we are hearing (coughs) that it is the Holy Spirit that is speaking to us so when we pray to to hear we pray to and we get that nudging that we, we, God is telling us, God is talking to us, God is revealing to us. It's the Holy Spirit that we're hearing. It's the Holy Spirit that is nudging, that is moving. Um, and, and I think we need to understand that. We need to understand that it's the Holy Spirit who is speaking uh, to us and that we are listening for. Number four, he loves. Okay, that, that's a sign of his personality, a sign that he is a person is that, is that he has the ability to love. I urge you, brothers, by the love of the Spirit. Okay, the Holy Spirit loves. We we know from Scripture, God is love. And God is love, Jesus loves, the Holy Spirit loves. Uh, Number five, he grieves. Ephesians 4 says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. So he has the ability to be upset. He has the ability to be, in a sense, wounded or hurt, disappointed. Um, And so he is a person. Uh, that, That is a personality uh, trait that, that he has. And we are warned not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't disappoint the Holy Spirit. Don't upset the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit moves, follow. Don't grieve him. Don't, don't have him wish that you had done. You know, don't, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Number six, he prays. Romans 8, but the Spirit himself intercedes with, for us with groans that words cannot express. 
We'll talk about this probably a little more uh, in, in the weeks ahead, but just give you here kind of what we're, what we're talking about is that when we are praying, and how many times have you ever prayed and not, it's just the, I don't know what to pray. I don't know the situation. I don't have enough information. I don't know what God's will is in order to pray God's will. I don't, I'm, I'm not getting a sense of what I'm supposed to do, what, what, how I'm supposed to pray, what the situation is, is about. And it's at that point that the Holy Spirit takes over and intercedes for us. He prays on our behalf. He knows that we're, we're involved in the situation. We care about the situation. We want to see God's will. And so he talks to God for us on that, on our behalf in that situation. Um, I know of many times, uh, one in particular comes to my mind uh, of a couple that married seven, eight, nine years. I don't even remember now exactly how many. Couldn't have children. No biological reason but they could find. Just didn't work. And so we prayed, and we prayed, and we didn't understand, and we couldn't understand, and we said, God, we're not sure how to pray here. In a few short months, that couple was divorced. And in a sh few short months after that, both the, the husband and the wife, both the, the in there, had to get married due to pregnancy with someone else. And we determined at that point, we don't always know how to pray. The worst thing could have happened was to bring kids into that situation. Because we didn't know all the underlying things that were going on with that couple. They were in our small group, but they hit it well. And nobody in the group understood what all was happening in the home that we didn't know about. And children would have been the last thing that we would have wanted to bring into that situation. Um, but the Holy Spirit knew. And so as we prayed with, with lack of knowledge, with lack of understanding, the Holy Spirit prayed. And uh, it, it was revealed to us then uh, what the will would be. Um, he, he can be lied to. Okay? Story of Ananias and Sapphira, Acts chapter 5. Uh, Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit. Uh, this is when uh, many people in the church were selling uh, land, they were selling property, and they uh, were bringing whatever they, like let's say I had a car, I sold the car, and I brought the, the proceeds to the church uh, to help with, with the needy, to help what was going on. And uh, Ananias sold some land and brought a portion of the selling, of the, of the price, to the church, presented it to the disciples, and they said, is this, is this all that there is? And he said, yeah, this is it. Well, he kept part of it for himself, which there was nothing wrong with that. Nowhere did it say you had to bring everything. If you sold your car, you had to bring all the money in. His problem was that he lied and said, yeah, that's it, because he wanted to sound really good. And what happened to him? Struck dead on the spot. Okay? Yes, that's all. They're gone. Um, would have shaken you up a little bit. I'm always a little leery when we take the offering. Um, always look around uh, <laughs> you just never know and then later uh, his, his wife uh, came in and they asked her she didn't know what had happened to her husband she was just showing up later and they asked her the same thing was this, is this everything and she said yes it is boom dropped dead exactly the same way and this is where he said but you have lied Satan has so filled your heart that you've lied to the Holy Spirit 
and she was gone. Um, so some lessons that we can learn from the fact that the Holy Spirit is a person. Uh, as believers, we should be very careful in how we act, speak, and think, knowing that the very sensitive person of the Holy Spirit lives within us. Does that make sense? We need to be very careful how we speak, how we act, what we think, knowing that, it, that the Holy Spirit is right there with us all the time. Uh, and, and so we, we need to be cognizant of that, that he is there, that he is a person, that he can be grieved, that he can be lied to, that he can be hurt, that he loves us, uh, and all those things. Number two, a believer should be comforted and have a sense of community, knowing that although I may be alone physically, the person of the Holy Spirit is with me wherever I may be or go. The person, there's always another person with you. You're never alone. Uh, we've, we've talked to our kids about this uh, on numerous occasions, that times when they feel that, uh, you know, they're, they are home by themselves, we, we remind them you're not home alone. You know, you're, you're home and, and God is there. The Holy Spirit is there with you. And uh, the same thing if they, you know, get hurt at school or they're feeling, you know, all their friends are against them or, you know, whatever goes on, the drama that goes on in, you know, newborn to 50. Uh, <laughs> to remember that the Holy Spirit is always with you, that you are never alone in situations, that there is always a friend there to talk to, to listen to, to, to bounce ideas off of, uh, one who loves us, who cares for us, who, who knows everything, has intelligence beyond us, that the Holy Spirit is there. A believer should realize that since he is a person, they either have him indwelling or do not have him. And at sanctification, I do not get more of him, but he gets all of me. That's what being filled with the Holy Spirit is. It's not that I, it's not that I pray, Lord, I need more of the Holy Spirit. No. When you came to know Christ and you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and the Holy Spirit indwelt you, the Holy Spirit came in and moved in to your heart, to your mind, and began rearranging things, began convicting you of, of sin, things that were in your life that needed uh, dealt with, uh, direction where you needed to go now and what you needed to do. That's all the Holy Spirit you're going to get. You got all of him. The question is, how much of you does the Holy Spirit have? Because he can only direct what you give him. I just had a conversation with a person this morning that, saying, you know, they, they realized and, and learned that, you know, the Holy Spirit can't do a whole lot with unconfessed sin in their heart. And they struggled, and they struggled, and life was ups and downs and ups and downs, and it wasn't until they came to that realization that, you know what, I haven't given him everything. And as soon as he did that, as soon as this person gave him everything, he said, life has just skyrocketed. Now, not to say that it won't hit and, you know, skid for a while, because it does that. That's the way life works. But that unconfessed sin, the Holy Spirit didn't have all of him. And he needed to continually give him more and more. So those are some lessons. Be very careful how you act, speak, and think. Understand that, and be comforted by the fact that he's with you always. And that he is a person and that we need to continually give him more and more of ourselves so that he can 
truly guide and work with everything that we give him. Now, questions about his personhood, his personality. How do we know if it's the Holy Spirit speaking? He'll never contradict Scripture. Never. He won't tell you to do something that Scripture says not to do. He won't, well, he may lead you not to do something that Scripture says is a good idea. We already talked about that, the whole preaching in Asia thing. That's going to be a very specific. Uh, but he will never contradict Scripture. He'll never tell you to do something that is contrary to Scripture or to the character of God. How else do we know? Never anything that's sinful. It, it a lot of times will be confirmed. And sometimes if we're not sure, if you think the Spirit is leading you in this way, then we need to seek confirmation. And we need to continue to ask Him before we jump and, and go. And so there will be some confirmation along the way, which could come from Scripture or from another person. Uh, he'll use anything and everything to confirm that. So... Yes, we can hear from the Holy Spirit. He'll never contradict Scripture. And maybe sometimes you need a little clarity and you need some confirmation in that. Ask someone that you trust. Ask someone else who's filled with the Holy Spirit to be praying with you that you get the answer, that you, that you do get uh, where, you know, the knowledge of where you're supposed to be, the wisdom that you need. Because God says, if any of you lack wisdom, ask. And the more people you get to asking on your behalf... How much better is that? Is he critical or judgmental? Or is he, he speaks in a softer voice and more encouraging? Um, I think it's going to depend on the situation. If I need slapped upside the head, he's going to slap me upside the head. If I need a gentle nudge, he'll give me a gentle nudge. I think he knows what I need in that situation, and he will either be tough or soft based on what my need is. I mean, that's the Holy Spirit. I mean, the Holy Spirit will, if I need that, that's the way he will. Oh, if it's guilt, guilt doesn't come from God. Guilt doesn't come from God. Yes. He's allowed to speak and batter and bang and everything. But if, if, it's, if it is guilt and you have confessed the sin, now sometimes we, we can be convicted of sin. That's similar to guilt. Um, if we're convicted of a sin, the Holy Spirit will convict us of sin, and then we need to deal with it. Now, if we've dealt with it, if we confessed it and turned, repented of it and turned from it and received forgiveness for it, and then there's still guilt, that's from Satan. That's not from God. Yeah, conviction will come from the Holy Spirit. Guilt after receiving forgiveness will come from Satan. Yeah. Is that what you were going with? I thought when you shook your head, you were. <laughs> okay, his deity. How do we know that he's God? Okay. His divine relationship within the Trinity, his equality with the other members, God the Father, God the Son, Okay, the baptismal formula in Matthew 28. Okay, we're going to all the world, uh, preaching, baptizing them in the name of the 
Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay? One name, all three of them. Not in the names of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, and so he has equality with them uh, through that. Uh, Paul's benediction, 2 Corinthians 13, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I mentioned last time how many times Paul includes all three of them. Various times in different ways, they're each doing a different task or, or providing a different service or, or so, but he includes them all equally. Not that one is any better or greater than the other. And that's the thing we have to understand too. God the Father is not greater than the Son. God the Son is not greater than the Holy Spirit. They are all equal. They are all the same. One essence, three different people, three different personalities in one divine essence. So they are all the same. Okay? And Jesus is the mediator. He, he will go between us and God. Um, that's his role in that. And, yeah, through the whole, yeah, and a lot of times through the Holy Spirit, yes. Within church administration, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 6, different gifts, same spirit, different service, same Lord, different working, same God. Okay, again, we have different gifts but the same spirit. We have different service but the same Lord, that's Jesus. We have different working but the same God, that's the Father. So again, we've got them all clumped together. Uh, in that with the way in which the church operates. Okay, this is the 1 Corinthians 12 is talking about spiritual gifts and that there are different gifts. And remember, we already looked at the verse that it's the spirit who decides who gets what gift. I don't get to choose my gift. Holy Spirit's going to decide what I get. Holy Spirit's going to decide what you get. Um, and mine's no greater than yours. Okay, we have to understand that too. That we all just have a role to play. That the eye is not greater than the ear, and the ear is not greater than the hand, the hand's not greater than the foot. They're all necessary. Okay, we, we, all, we need all of the parts. And so it's the Spirit who decides what gift. It's the Jesus then apparently on, on how that, that different service and then the different working or the outcome through the same God. So they're all working in that. Within church unity, Ephesians 4 one body, one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one God and Father of all. Again, Paul's lumped them all together uh, equally. One body, one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one God and Father of all. Paul's prayer request, Romans 15, urge you brothers by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, praying to God. Uh, you know, go back and again, because I'm just giving you snippets of the verse. Go back and put them all in the context of where they need to be. Um, some of the names that are ascribed to him. 2 Corinthians 3, 17, 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Uh, you have lied to the Holy Spirit. You have not lied to men, but to God. Okay, that's a key one. That's a key one that shows that he and God are the same, that the Holy Spirit and God are the same, because Paul is, or in Acts, there the disciples are telling Sapphira that you have not, he says, you have lied to the Holy Spirit. You have not lied to men, but to God. Equating God and the Holy Spirit. Okay, lying to one, same thing as lying to the other. Romans 8, 9 and 10, controlled by the Spirit if the Spirit of God lives in you. 
So he's called the Spirit of the Lord. He's called the Spirit of God. We talked about that a little bit last time with his names. Um, 1 Corinthians 6. Nineteen and twenty talks about indwelling all, um, teaching that all three persons indwell believers. First Corinthians six nineteen. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own; you were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Um, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? Uh, and so again, equating them all, all three persons indwell believers, uh, Holy Spirit, Lord, and God. Holy Spirit is also perfect. So we, he's seen through the writers of the New Testament as equal to God the Father and God the Son. We also see that he has the same, some of the same perfect, Perfections, the same divine attributes. Uh, he is omnipresent. Okay, that's the first one, Psalm 139, 7 to 10. Where can I go from your spirit? How, how can, where can I go that your spirit is not there? Okay, he is omnipresent, meaning he is present everywhere. Omni, all, all present. Okay, nowhere can we go and hide from the Holy Spirit. There's nowhere that we, and the psalmist was asking, where can I go from your spirit? He is omniscient, or he has omniscience. Isaiah 40, who has understood the spirit of the Lord or instructed him? Omniscience. Omniscience. Okay, no one can instruct him. He's all-knowing. That's what omniscience means. He knows everything. Uh, and so who can instruct him? who has understood the Spirit of the Lord or instructed him. Psalm 143.10, may your good spirit lead me on level ground. He is absolute goodness. Okay? Good all the time, through and through. He is holy. Scripture says, be holy. God says, be holy as I am holy. Holy Spirit is holy. That's why we call him Holy Spirit. <laughs> Some of this is pretty easy, really. <laughs> Nothing tricky. Uh, John 3, 8. Everyone born of the Spirit is carried as if by the wind. Okay? Carried along as if by the wind. So if you're born of the Spirit, if the Holy Spirit has indwelt you, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, and, and you've gotten a lot of that junk out of the way, the sin out of the way, the attitudes the, you know, that, that would hinder, that would cloud uh, the Holy Spirit from leading, that when we get that out of the way, when we come fully confessed, fully cleansed before him and, and able to lead, we are pushed along as if by the wind. doesn't always make sense where we're going, but the Holy Spirit is leading us. That's his sovereignty over us. We talked last time about one of the symbols of the Holy Spirit is wind, and that stands for sovereignty, that we can't control the wind. At best, we can catch it, but we can't control it. That the wind blows... Okay, where God wants and every analogy breaks down but the Holy Spirit is going we can't control the Holy Spirit the best we can do is clean our sails and put them up and catch the Holy Spirit and allow him to move us and guide us and direct us so he is sovereign the same way as God the Father God the Son he's also eternal Hebrews 9 calls him the eternal spirit uh, which means he 
No beginning, no end. Uh, We're not going to try to wrap our mind around that because everything we know is beginning and end. Okay, there's a beginning to everything we've ever experienced and there's an end to everything we, we can put our hands on. We're finite. God is infinite. The Holy Spirit is infinite. He has no beginning, no end. Accept that. Let me give you one philosophical statement that'll blow your mind. Holy Spirit lives in the eternal now. Just think about it. Holy Spirit doesn't have past. He doesn't have future. He only has now. God's outside of time. Time is a man-made thing. We've created time so that we can break up the beginning and the end, so that we can add sense to it. But God lives outside of that. For him, he only sees the beginning and the end as if it's all happened as right now. So God lives in the eternal now is, is what he is. And the Holy Spirit is that as well. Some of his divine works in the Old Testament. Okay, and these we will build on as we go along. Um, Job 26 talks about the decoration of heaven. That he was involved uh, in, in creation. Job 26.13. I want to read more than just the little blip I gave you. He marks out the horizon on the face of the waters for a boundary between light and darkness. The pillars of the heavens quake. I just lost my spot. Aghast at his rebuke. By his power, he churned up the sea. By his wisdom, he cut Rahab to pieces. By his breath, the skies became fair. His hand pierced the gliding serpent. And these are but the outer fringe of his works. How faint the whisper we hear of him. Who then can understand the thunder of his power? The Holy Spirit, his breath, the skies became fair. He, he decorated the heavens. He, in that creation, he's the one that put it together, was involved in that. Um, the inspiration of prophets, and we'll definitely spend some more time on this. Second Samuel 23, the Spirit of the Lord spoke through me. You see that a lot in the Old Testament. Thus saith the Lord. Okay? It is the Holy Spirit that... that that spoke through him. So any of the prophets in the Old Testament, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, um, all of the minor prophets, um, as they spoke, it was the Holy Spirit that was carrying them along. They spoke on the behalf of God through God the Holy Spirit. He's the one that was revealing truth to them. It's what the Holy Spirit's role is in the Trinity. As God, he carried them. And so thus saith the Lord is the Holy Spirit moving these men, and we're going to talk more about how he did that in the writing of Scripture, uh, that he inspired, that all Scripture is God-breathed, okay, and breath being one of the words for spirit, that the Holy Spirit carried them along in, in the writing of Scripture. The impartation of believers, meaning the giving uh, of certain things to the believers, and we see two things in particular that he gave or that he imparted Two believers. One is gifts and talents. Uh, even in the Old Testament, you know, we think of the spiritual gifts. Um, but in the Old Testament, he was doing the same thing. He was giving people abilities and gifts. Uh, we read in Exodus 31, when they were getting ready to, uh, to move and talk to building temple and, and all of the things that needed to be done within Israel for the 
tabernacle and the tent and all of those things said Bezalel was filled with the spirit of God with skill ability and knowledge and all kinds of crafts so he was a master craftsman uh, Bezalel was because the spirit of God came upon him and gave him those abilities gave him those skills and those talents and in the New Testament we see the I think 21 different spiritual gifts that are mentioned uh, and we'll talk more about those when we get there uh, in weeks to come. He also gave physical strength. Judges 14, Samson tore a lion apart when the Spirit of the Lord came on him in power. <coughs> in the New Testament, we see that the Holy Spirit came upon them in power uh, at Pentecost. And even Jesus said in Acts, and I want to get it right. Um, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And so you will have power, not just physical strength, but I think you'll have mental strength. You'll have spiritual strength to, to be able to withstand. And the only way we can withstand the enemy, the only way we can withstand the devil is through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's through the Holy Spirit strengthening us, strengthening our spirit, strengthening our inner being, strengthening our mind to withstand the onslaught of the enemy. Um, and, and so it is the Spirit that imparts that. He gives us that strength, that ability to, to do that. Okay? Those are just some of the ways we can see him in the Old Testament as well as what we can see him doing uh, today. Let's look at, there's a, a long list of some of the things he did in the New Testament. John chapter 3 talks about the quickening of life. The quickening of life. John 3, 4, and 5. Unless a man is born again, born from above, born of the Spirit, it is the Spirit that renews our life. And that, that renewing is when he comes in. When the Holy Spirit comes into us, he renews our life. He changes our course. He changes everything within us. Uh, he, he desires to change it very quickly. Sometimes we are, we fight him on it. Okay, that goes back to that. You're not going to get more of the Holy Spirit than you do at that moment, but how much of you does he have? And we need to continually give him more and more of us. He quickens our life. He, he re-energizes it. He, he, we're born again. Uh, interesting that that's a term that, you know, is huge. Jesus only used it once. It's the only time it's ever, he ever used that illustration, that analogy to new life, but being born again to Nicodemus. And, but that's it. We, we have new life. We're a new creation, Paul says in Corinthians. And it's the Holy Spirit that makes us new, that renews us. Um, number two, inspiration. We'll talk about this some more too. 1 Peter 1.21 uh, or 2 Peter 1.21, 1 Peter 1.10-12, inspired the preachers, the prophets, and the authors of Scripture. Came in and inspired them, uh, allowing for their personality, uh, you know, because when you read, you, you, you get the personality of the author. You get Peter's personality. That Peter's writing is different than Paul's writing. And if you know Greek better than me, because I don't know Greek. I just know GreekBible.com. That's a helpful tool. Okay. If you ever hear me on the, on the Sunday morning or here on Sunday night or in Sunday school say that, you know, in the original language this means, 
I didn't go to the Greek Bible and figure it out. I went to greekbible.com, okay? So I know enough Greek to be dangerous, but that's about it. <laughs> it's all Greek to me. Uh, but but he, he carried them along and allowed their personalities to come through because in, in Paul's writing, his style of Greek, the way in which he spoke, the way in which he wrote, is totally different than Peter. Paul was a very educated man. And so the Greek that Paul used is more of an intellectual, educated style of writing. Peter was a fisherman, and it came across in his style of writing. Now, when we translate it into English, it's probably difficult to tell um, because the same group of guys translated it all. And so you, you kind of miss some of that personality of Paul and Peter in their writings. Um, and, but the Holy Spirit inspired them. He gave them the idea, the words, the, the, the bits of wisdom, so that it is all truth. He didn't allow them to do it with error. He allowed them to do it within their personality, but he made sure that everything that was in here was inspired, was truth, is truth, okay? Revelation, John 15, 26, and 16, 12, and 13, the Holy Spirit is going to reveal who Christ is and guide us into all truth. Okay, so that, that's helpful to us as we're studying, as we're reading, uh, as we're home and, and pouring into scriptures on our own, that we ask the Holy Spirit to reveal that truth to us. What is it that I need to know today from here? As you are guiding me, see, let's start putting this all together. I get up in the morning, and the, I need to ask the Holy Spirit to guide me into what he wants, where he wants me to do today. His prohibitive will keep me from the things you don't want me to do. Show me the things you want me to do, and out of obedience, I will follow. And then as I get into his word, teach me what I need to know for what I'm going to face this afternoon. And I don't know how many times we'll get in small group or we'll be talking to someone, and, and someone will say, you know, I read in my devotions yesterday exactly what that person needs to know or exactly what I needed to know today or three days ago for today. And that's all the Holy Spirit revealing and inspiring and moving and directing to accomplish his will. And so that's why it's important. Why is it important to have our devotions? Why is it important to be in the word? Because that's what the Holy Spirit's going to use to reveal so that we are prepared to go and do what he is guiding us and directing us to go and do. Um, otherwise, we're unprepared. And we're not sure, and we're kind of being tossed to and fro instead of carried by the wind. We're being tossed back and forth. Uh, Paul says, by every wind of doctrine, everything that comes down the path is we're bumping into. Um, and so we need to be prepared, and it's the Holy Spirit that does that. Illumination. This is all part. Inspiration, revelation, illumination. John 16 is all part of explaining the truth, of shedding the light. He illuminates. Okay, he turns the light on for us. Those aha moments when you read scripture, that's the Holy Spirit illuminating. That's the Holy Spirit bringing it all together, making it make sense. That's uh, where you go, ah, now I get it. Now I understand. That's the Holy Spirit. Okay? Um, number five, he inhabits believers or indwells believers. Ephesians 5.18, that, that we're to no longer be drunk with wine, but to be controlled by the filled controlled, drunk by the Holy Spirit, okay? Um, and uh, that, that, that's the idea of be being filled. 
Okay, Ephesians 5, 5.18 is no longer be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit is not a one-time act in, this, in that verse. That be filled is be being filled, be constantly being filled. Okay, as if you are a glass and there's an endless supply from the pitcher and just keep letting it go and overflow. And as you're living your life, you're, you're letting the, the Spirit flow through you and, and there's no end to it. So be being filled. Okay, so it's a continual asking. It's a continual being filled. It's not a, just a one-time deal. And okay, here we go um, with that. Right. Not just a one-time deal. Um, but it's an ongoing. Luke, what was it? Luke eleven thirteen. Okay, um, he does that for individual verses. We or individual churches. We kind of look these up. First uh, Corinthians six. I already looked at that one. First Corinthians six nineteen and twenty is individuals. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? Okay, that verse. All those yous are singular. Don't you know that you individual? Okay. If you go back to 1 Corinthians 3.16, sounds like he's saying the same thing. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? That you is plural. He's talking to the church. So the Holy Spirit indwells or fills, inhabits individuals. He also inhabits churches. Now, what's the bad news of that? There are some churches he doesn't inhabit. Doesn't mean he inhabits every church, every God-honoring church. But I know there are churches all over the world that go by the name Christian, go by the name church, that the Holy Spirit's not entered those doors in forever. And the question we as pastors are always deal with, always, always wrestling with, is that whole, as we lead the church, being led by the Holy Spirit, that we want the Holy Spirit to be moving in our church, to be moving through our church, to be, to be the life of our church. That, you know, the, the question that gets asked is, if the Holy Spirit pulled out, would anyone know? You know, and that, that's hopefully yes, they would notice that right away. Uh, but for some churches, I'm not sure they would. I'm not sure that the Holy Spirit pulled out some churches would know it because they would still do all of the things they do in the power in which they've been doing it. How do you know the Holy Spirit is there? Again, you're going to go back to how do you know that the Holy Spirit is listening to you, is talking to you. You're going to have confirmation. You're going to see things happen in the church that's only explained by the Spirit. Um, you're going to see people healed. You're going to see people saved. You're going to see... Um, great works done, you're going to see, you know, you're going to see things happen that is only credited to the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit are going to be there. Uh, just like in a person's life, you're going to be able to see the fruit of the Spirit. And we're going to talk about that in weeks ahead, too. You're going to be able to see the fruit of the Spirit in a person to know that they're filled with the Spirit. Same is true of, of a church. Christ-centered, Bible-based. Christ-centered, Bible-based. Condense all that down. 
So there, there will be signs. You'll be able to see and, and know things. And, and while there will be a feeling, you know, you can walk into a church or you can walk into a service and just say, boy, that just felt. You don't want to base it all on the feeling because you may have gotten that warm fuzzy from something else that wasn't necessarily the spirit. So you want to go beyond feelings to what you see, know, concrete things. As I always said, you know, maybe feeling maybe the pizza you ate last night. You don't want to go by feelings alone. Um, Number six, investigation. Okay, this is one of the works of the Holy Spirit. He investigates our life. Okay, 1 Corinthians 2.19, he searches all things, even the deep things of God. And so he's going to investigate. He's going to get involved in searching out every area of our life. Okay, and we want him to do that. As uncomfortable as it may be with some of the things he finds in the deep, dark corners, the recesses that we've, that we've not gone to in a long time, but we've never dealt with, that are still there, that are still a part of who we are and why we do the things we do. We want him to go there. We want him to investigate our life. We want him to bring that and bring healing to those portions. Um, and, uh, and he will do that. He, he knows the deep things, even the deep things of God. And so he'll take the deep, dark things of our life, and he can apply the deep things of God to them and bring them uh, to life in our life. That so he can bring the deep things of God to life in our, in our life. Okay? Mediation. We've kind of talked about that. Romans eight twenty six prays with groanings when we don't know how to pray in a situation. He goes on our behalf, and he will lead us in that, in that prayer. Uh, he will lead us and show us. Number eight, impartation. We've kind of talked about that as well, that he imparts. Uh, Acts 1, 8 and 1 Corinthians 12 gives both power and spiritual gifts. Um, he did that in the Old Testament. He does it in the New. He does it today. Um, production of the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are supernatural manifestations or proofs that a person is filled with the Holy Spirit. It's kind of what we just talked about. That when we see these things in a person's life consistently, we can, we can pretty much judge. Okay, don't judge, but we can, we're fruit inspectors. We evaluate. Uh, we're not condemning, but we are evaluating. Okay, I'm not condemning the person if I don't see these things. That's God. That's the don't judge or you'll be judged. Uh, don't condemn or you'll be condemned. But we do have, we are called to evaluate. And one of those evaluations is that the Holy Spirit is going to produce the fruits of the Spirit in people. Okay, that, that's just going to be a natural outgrowing. If the Holy Spirit is alive and growing, then he's going to produce fruit. And the fruit that he's going to produce is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Um, because we don't have anything within ourselves to manifest these things on an ongoing basis. We might get lucky once. I might have joy at the end of a basketball game when Butler beats Shaler by three to go on to the final four and qualify for the state playoffs. That was last night. But I can't produce joy all the time. Eventually it's not, okay? So I don't have the wherewithal within me to produce these things on a regular basis without the Holy Spirit, okay? And that's more of a humanistic joy anyway. 
you know, it's circumstantial joy, not, not just life joy. Okay, but I wanted to get the plug in there anyway. Um, what fills the inside is what comes out. Okay, what fills the inside, not what the outside looks like. That's no guarantee of what's on the inside. But what's on the inside is what will come out. All right? So we can watch a person. Watch them for a while. Get to know them. You know, before you, uh, you know, want to seek advice or before you want to uh, get close to this person, you want to watch their life. And is it a spirit-filled life? Is it one that the spirit is working and, and doing? I talk to kids about this all the time with, with dating. Before you get very serious about a person, you want to know what's on the inside. I don't care what's on the outside. You want to know what's on the inside because that's what will come out. And you want to make sure that it is a spiritual, spirit-filled thing. Um, I put a little quote there that a professor gave me one time. The spirit-filled Christian always looks like a fanatic to the lukewarm one. Um, You know, lukewarm Christian, oh, don't give me all that spiritual, you know, oh, they're hiding... But a spirit-filled Christian will always look like a fanatic to a lukewarm Christian because the spirit is moving and guiding and they're doing incredible, crazy things for God and finding joy in in the most simplest things and able to love where it doesn't seem that there is love to be given or to be had and and they're able to love in those situations. Um, There's a certain peace about them and there's there's patience. They're they're willing to, to, to suffer long Okay, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, those things just are all there. They're, they're so self-controlled. You know, let yourself go once in a while. No. Self-controlled in that the Holy Spirit is guiding and directing. And they're able to wait on God. They're able to be still and know that he is God. And a person who can do that on a, on a regular basis always looks like a fanatic to the person who doesn't get it. To the Christian who just who doesn't know what that's all about. Um, and so uh, the, the, that production of the fruit of the Spirit is, is important. We're going to, again, we'll talk more about that. Confirmation. We talked about this a little bit. Romans 8, the Spirit himself always testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Holy Spirit's going to confirm with us the right thing, that we are the child of God, because Satan's going to want to convince you that you are not. Again, he'll go back to that guilt. You weren't really saved. How could he have ever saved you? You still struggle with the same thing you struggled with before. In fact, you've done it. Last Tuesday, you did the same thing you did five years ago when you weren't a Christian. You're not saved. Okay, that's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit confirms with us, yes, you are. You're still struggling with that. We're still working on it. I'm still cleaning house. I'll be doing that until God the Son comes back because that's going to be an ongoing process of getting rid of that fallen human nature. And it's the Holy Spirit that will confirm, yeah, you are saved. Yes, you are a child of God. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy. You're a child of the king. Okay? The Holy Spirit is the one that confirms us in that. Regeneration, John 3. The work, it's that work of the Holy Spirit where he creates us with a new nature, a non-fallen nature. Okay? He comes in and completely... Uh, renews us. This is the whole born again. Um, Christ's nature is implanted in the believer. Uh, And this is what the Holy Spirit does. This is what he does when he indwells us. Now, the problem is that that old nature is still there. 
He doesn't completely eradicate it. He doesn't just kick it out. Okay, it's that constant struggle. It's that civil war that goes on between us. It's Romans chapter 7. The thing I want to do, I can't do because what I want to do is not there. And it always seems like there is some other, there's sin right there with me. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Romans 7 is the perfect description of the Christian life, of, of trying to follow the Spirit. Yeah, Paul's writing. This is Paul struggling with that. It's not, this is the way it used to be. This is when I was a, a child of God, when I was a, a new believer, this is the way it was. No, this is the way it is for him right now, that, that he's, he's fighting with that. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. And that's it. But, but the Holy Spirit comes in and begins to regenerate, begins to, to recreate within us a new nature, a nature that, that is like God. So no longer be conformed to the, this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That would be that we're Romans 8, being conformed to the image of his son. That's, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Conforming us to the image of the son. Transforming our mind. Renewing our mind. Okay, it's that getting rid of the old. Chipping away at the old nature. At the old self. At the old habits. And replacing them with godly. With the fruits of the spirit. Tilling that ground to where the fruit of the Spirit can bloom, can grow, and uh, produce good works. Conviction of the sin. Again, we talked about that. John 16, 8. Uh, Both the believer and the unbeliever, he is coming to convict of sin. Not guilt after the sin is dealt with. That's the enemy. Okay, but he will convict. He'll say, look, (laughs) what's this? Found this in the dark back part of your closet of your heart. What is it? You know, and, and he'll convict you of it. Yeah, yeah, I know, I struggle with that. I, you need to give it to me. Can I throw this out? You know, it's like when, when my wife goes in and helps the kids clean their room, and we get like three garbage bags heading out to the trash from their room. Can I throw this out? This needs to go. This needs to go. That's the Holy Spirit. That's, the, that's convicting. You don't need this anymore. This is not good for you. This is not what you want. This is not what we're about. Let's get rid of that and continues to convict and clean. When, he's, when, when, when you don't feel guilty about sin, that's time to worry. If, if you can sin and not feel guilty, I mean knowingly sin and not feel guilty about it, the Holy Spirit's kind of backed up. said, have at it. Not working there, not clean, letting us, letting us go. And so every time you get a conviction of sin, that's a good thing. Holy Spirit's working. Go with, the, go with the lead. Lessons to learn. This truth should make us very sensitive with reference to how we live since God the Holy Spirit is living within us. Very sensitive about how we live, decisions we make, how we conduct our life. Number two, this truth should drive us to seek holiness of life and to abstain from even the appearance of evil because my body, singular, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay, I, I want a clean house. I want the Holy Spirit to be able to move and, and to, to live freely in that house. And so I, I need to do everything I can uh, to provide that for him, to, to deal with the sin that, that is there. Okay? Um, next week, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit in Scripture. How do we know that this is the Word of God? How do we know that we can stand on this and nothing else how did this come into being okay that's where we're going to go next week let me pray for you 
Father, again, we're thankful that you are God. We're thankful that you've given us the word. Uh, Father, I, I pray this week that, that you would, uh, through your Holy Spirit, would convict, that we would continually be cleaning house in a sense, that you would produce those fruits within us, that people would see a difference, that, that, that we seem to have a different operating system than the world. Father, just uh, we thank you for your Holy Spirit and his, his, his willingness to come and live within us and to make residence in our life, that, that we can be guided and directed by him. Father, give us eyes and, to see and ears to hear as the Spirit leads, uh, that we might uh, be able to accomplish even more for you and bring you more glory through our life as the Holy Spirit works in us. We just pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.